Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one loving page of Talmud every day. Do you like the show? I hope you do. And if you do, you should know we at Tablet Studios have a lot of other rockin' Jewish podcasts for you to enjoy. So stick around after the credits and find out a bit more about all these great shows and how you could support them and us. In today's page, Kitabot 56, can you feel it? Because love is in the air in a really weird but interesting kind of way. Have a listen. Since the practical halacha is that a woman who was divorced or widowed after betrothal receives the main sum of her marriage contract, but not the additional sum, Ravine asks, what is the halacha with regard to a woman who entered the wedding canopy and is then widowed or divorced without having had sexual intercourse? Does the affection manifest in the wedding affect the marriage? and therefore she receives the additional sum as a married woman? Or is it the affection manifest in the intercourse that affects the marriage? And consequently, this woman is no different than a betrothed woman for the purpose of this halacha. Come and hear that Rav Yosef taught the following baraita. He wrote the additional sum in the marriage contract for her only on account of the affection characteristic of the first night of the marriage. The Gemara asks, Granted, if you say that the affection manifest in the wedding affects the marriage, this is why it says the affection characteristic of that first night as the wedding ceremony is performed on the first night only. But if you say that the affection manifest in the intercourse affects the marriage, is there intercourse only on the first night? And then from this point forward, there is none? Consequently, the Baraita implies that the affection manifest in the wedding affects the marriage and that from that point on, she is entitled to the additional sum of the marriage contract. Now, look, you don't have to really get into the intricacies of the contractual obligations and the role intercourse does and doesn't play in them to understand the seminal question that the rabbis are asking here, which is really what is the relationship between that first amazing moment, that fleeting, magical time of standing underneath the chuppah on that first night as man and wife, and how, if at all, does this magical spiritual energy continue to inform the marriage? How, in other words, do we capture the essence of the love and the union and the unity that we feel as we stand with our beshirt, with our chosen one, with the one who completes us underneath the chuppah, underneath the wedding canopy, how do we capture that energy for the rest of our married lives? Now, you may recall that some time ago, we welcomed perilously shortly after her own chuppah, after her own wedding, Tablet's own Samantha Hacker. And today's page struck me as a wonderful opportunity to welcome her back to the show and ask how things are going. Sam, welcome back. Thank you. Still married, proud to say. For those of us keeping track at home, you've now been married for how long? Uh, Almost five months, five months later this week. Okay, so you're really at a perfect position to answer the question the rabbis are asking today because you're not that far uh, from that magical night which the rabbis ponder may or may not set the tone for the rest of the relationship yet you have some you have some time under your belt you've done this now for a while long enough for for the kind of starry-eyed magic of, of the honeymoon period to uh maybe dim a little so tell us when you read a page like today's page of talmud 
What are you thinking? Is the affection manifest in the wedding night? Does it affect the marriage? I have a lot of thoughts about this. Thank you for for bringing me on for this. Because first of all, I have to say, being engaged was so much more difficult than being married. So I actually think all the ratios should just be reversed. I think you should really front load the value of the marriage contract. And the longer you stay married, I think the less financial value it should hold because being engaged <laughs> was so stressful. Planning a wedding was incredibly stressful. And now when people come to me and say, Oh, how's married life? I say it is exactly what it was before we had to plan a wedding, which is for me, perfect. Um, so yeah. And then I don't know, maybe this is a hot take, but reading this page, I was like, so if sex is what defines the additional sum, are we basically saying your wife is a prostitute? Like, I don't really, I don't know. I, it, it kind of, kind of pissed me off a little bit because if, if we're saying like, okay, you get X, but then you only really get X plus Y. And once you, you know, get freaky, that seems just like prostitution. Well, I think <laughs> you're raising a Fantastic question, and one that I think uh, brings into sharp relief the difficulty of, of us moderns to really kind of dive and delve into the world of the rabbis. But I don't think that's what they're saying at all. I think they're they're basically trying to ascertain, because look, everything about Talmud, right, is, is an attempt to not speak in abstractions, uh, but rather trying to be supremely concrete, right? So I think the question, at least the way I understand it, and I'm, I'm super curious if you understand it differently, to hear and saying, okay, look, if you say that there is a marriage contract and then there are all kinds of additional sums that follow all kinds of other logic, and the variable that you're trying to kind of isolate is one to do with affection, does it have to do with the wedding itself? The moment of standing under the chuppah, which is so precious and fleeting and magical and, you know, hopefully not something that you repeat too often in your life? Or are you kind of using it as some kind of weird euphemism to like, well, yes, there is sexual attraction at first, but then you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot because, as the rabbis say very clearly, sex is hopefully not only performed on that first night and then never again. Uh, so I think they're actually trying to, in a weird way, do the opposite, right? They're trying to isolate the kind of lust from the spiritual maybe sensation that we feel and ask, how do we capture that? Does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, I think in my, you know, five months of being married, I think there are kind of multiple moments where you look across the table or look across the, under the hoopah or look across the bed and kind of commit yourself or even think about how you're committed to your partner. And I don't know, like, I think all of those kind of sum to what is sort of, not to what is worthy, but it's like, as a woman, it's not that hard to have sex, right? Like, I don't, there's nothing really physical that my body needs to do to endure it. And to me, marriage is, I think there's just so much more to than to just stand down under the hobo or doing what you need to do in bed. You're, you're alighting on in, precisely, I think, the question at hand. So five months in, now that the thank you notes have gone out, uh, <laughs> now, now that the albums have been hopefully perused, uh, now that some routine uh, has, has sunk in and, you know, for better or worse, dimmed the sort of afterglow of, of that magical wedding night, 
How do you, and I guess that's kind of what I'm reading the rabbis is asking today, how do you capture this magic? How do you remind yourselves of the sort of almost celestial, ethereal beings uh, that you were when you dressed in your finest and stood under flowers and, and, and cloth uh, surrounded by all of your family and loved ones and, and vowed your forevers? How, how do you reignite that? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, even though Alex and I lived together before we were married, I think the act of creating a home and filling it with things that remind you of that is I, I've, we've been particularly intentional about and in sort of the modern age, not giving into just sort of buying, Oh, whatever cookware you need or whatever books you need or whatever things to show that you, you know, are X kind of person, but I'm, I'm looking next to my couch at my bookshelf and everything that we have on our, on our bookshelf is incredibly intentional and kind of a reminder of our life together. It's sort of interesting. I see parts of me and I see parts of Alex, but so much of it is the, the kind of combination of us two. And so for me, even, you know, looking at our ketubah, which hangs right outside of our bedroom, having really physical reminders in front of me and throughout our house and creating the house that we've made um, is for me, how we keep the magic alive, I would say. I don't think I could have stumbled on a better answer if I tried. Uh, how do you keep the magic? Will you keep on buying books? <laughs> exactly, that is, right, right, right. That is yes. absolutely perfect. Sam Hacker, thank you so much for being our guest. And I will go out right now and practice this uh, very good marriage advice. Yes, tell Lisa I'm sorry. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic, and we will see you again soon.